Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show. I'm Elizabeth Hamilton Garino here with the amazing author, Wade Rouse, also known as Viola Shipman. Hi, how are you? Hi. <laughs> it's so good to see you finally. You too. That's what we were talking about. I feel like we've um, kind of run in concentric circles for, for the last couple of years. And it's actually wonderful to talk to you finally face to face. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't do this sooner. But you know, we've been like, I think I was waiting for you like to just be on the show before I because I want to I kind of want to discover all these things organically about you rather than like asking you in phone call you know discover you with the with the audience too so it's nice yeah, we'll, do, we'll do it in real time and I, I and i say we have we we've really emailed a lot the oh, last yeah. year. oh and i i completely one of the things if you don't know so this is an author chat if you're listening watching everything we're going to talk about being an author how to be an author we're going to talk about your new book look at that there it is <laughs> you've got it behind you too just launched um and and people might be you write under the name viola shipman let's start there who is viola to you um viola is is me really <laughs> essentially and i always say i know it sounds like a literary victor victoria you know a man using a woman's name to write fiction um that i grew up in the missouri ozarks I, um, my grandmother was working poor. She was a seamstress. Um, she stitched overalls at a local factory her entire life. Um, she never finished high school. She never learned to drive. Um, and she was my best friend growing up. She really um, gave me un unconditional love. You know, I said, I, you know, I grew up in very rural America in the 1970s. And uh, this in rural America in the 1970s wasn't a really good fit. <laughs> Um, I'm from it Iowa. Like, it could be very tough at times, um, very wonderful at times and very tough. And my grandmother really wrapped me in her arms and, and taught me that it was okay to be myself. And she, you know, she taught me what mattered most in life, which is the simple things in each other. And that's what I try to bring to every, every book that I write, you know, kind of those things that we forget about every single day, but um, we've been reminded of these past few years. It's just each other that really matters in, in the end. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I first met you. I think one of your books came across Best Ever You to put on the show or to do to to publicize or something like that. And it was kind of when you were very first, like you're gaining more and more and more momentum. And I could kind of feel it. And I'm like, this is so cool to watch you grow and succeed and realize your dreams and all these things there's how many books do you have now like 15 15 yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem possible and and you know i think we i think we're kind of we're on the same um emotional vibe here and yeah. what we do in our lives you know i didn't start writing until i was 40 years old i always wanted to write you know and and you've heard it probably much like i did my whole life that you know my father was a chemical engineer you go to college, um, people major in business or accounting, and you do careers that have a concrete path. And to be an author, I always wanted to write, but to be an author was something you didn't do. It was just not normal. You weren't going to make a career in the arts or writing. And you listen to that most of your life. And you have to unlearn a lot of that, like I did, to start actually writing and, and be published. And that was the best decision I ever made was quitting a great job and starting to write full time. And I've never looked back since. Yeah, same. 
doing that, uh, you know, half of me is financial services and half of me is, I don't know which half either, but half of me is financial services and half of me is author. And I, I do the same thing. It's like, you know, I struggle with that all the time. Like go get a, you know, I've had people say, go get a real job, go do this, mm. go do that and everything. And if you let it get in, um, it can, it can do damage to what you, what your dreams really are. Um, I'm 53 now and just putting books out. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. So I always say you can do anything at any age. You just got to. There is no age or time limit. And especially for anyone writing a book, I think it's a journey towards self-actualization of, of youth being capable and willing and wanting to write that book and then having it come out in the right way. You know, I, you know, we all, I always say every writer uses the same vocabulary and, and, you know, literary tool belt. It's just how we bring those stories to life that sets us apart, you know, and what you're trying to do and doing is, is different than what's been done before as well. It's, so it's, it's approaching it in your own beautiful, magical way that separates us and, and, and makes that dream come true. I think what touches me most about your books is you weave the self-help into it. And I absolutely, I pick up on it. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, there it is. Uh, talk about that a little bit because I know it's, I can see it in there and it's, it's, it's subtle, but it's not. It's, thank you. You know, it's interesting. I, I probably am part author and part psychologist, maybe in a way. I, you know, I really love to bring life lessons into every book that I write. And I also try to inspire and give people kind of a, a rope of hope and, and, and life. And a lot of it is, is, you know, advice that I try to dole out life lessons. And much of that did come from my grandmother. You know, she um, was often treated very poorly in her life um, due to, due to circumstance. And, um, it was hard for me to watch and it was hard for me to see people treat her poorly. And yet she, she lived life with an incredible grace and resilience. Um, and my mother was a hospice nurse at the end of her career, kind of the second stage of her career. And I used to go, I, I rode all over the Ozarks as she cared for people at the end of their lives. And my mother would walk out and often tell me the stories of these people's lives, you know, at the end, at the end of their journey. Um, often without family or money or health care. And my mother always said, you know, don't live your life with regret. We all, yeah. so many people complete their journey filled with regret of what they didn't accomplish, what they should have done, things they dreamed but, but never set forth to accomplish. And she used to beg me not to do that. And so I think my entire life has been filled with kind of um, these incredibly strong resilient women filling me with advice that I finally listen to in my life. And I'm a big advocate for people, oh my gosh, following their hearts and listening to their voices and taking a risk and a chance in life and, and truly and truly trying to be happy. Um, and it's a hard thing to do. You know, my mom always said unconditional, unconditional love is the hardest thing in the world to give and receive because we're taught most of our life to love or give love with conditions. You know, I will love you if, or love me, I will love you, but, and just, just to live in a different kind of way and love in a different kind of way will set you free. And I believe that. 
Yeah. I think one of the things that I love about you is that you allow you're, you're open to like, you let me love you from afar and an email and it was the coolest thing. And, you know, I can see it right here, all the love for you. I, I don't know if you can see the chat, but I can see the chat. So we have to pause for some love <laughs> for Wade. Um, you have Linda says, hi, Diane says, hello from New Jersey. Tammy says, hello from Kansas city. Barbara says, right. hello from North Carolina and diamond Greer says, greetings. <laughs> so you've got some, some love pouring in awesome. and um, yeah. And I, and I think that'd be for you, whether you write books or not, you're just a nice person. And I think it, it shows through your smile, your grace, your elegance, your everything about you. And then it just totally comes to life in your books and you can just feel everything. And somebody just said, I love Wade's words of wisdom. So <laughs> there you go. And I feel the same way about you. I do. I feel it sounds, I don't want this to, I always say this and I don't, hate that it sounds so corny, but I believe okay. it. I do. The ripple effect of kindness in this world. You know, if you, if you are nice or kind, that sends a wave out. I think that, that, continues to go forward you know just the same as if you're awful that does the same thing and <laughs> yeah we, ripples out too, doesn't we have enough awful in this world yeah we need love so you guys as you're listening to the show chat what you want me to ask wade and i'll just ask and and we'll have this be interactive that's the mo those are the most fun shows when yeah. the audience participates so if you've got a question just type it in i can see so if i'm looking in all different directions pardon me because i've got chat here and and I'm, I'm doing the controls for the show too so um okay let's talk let's talk about your new book oh, oh you know what actually can i ask you a question i i want to i want to ask you about a different book but i don't know if i'm going to remember the the title off the hand offhand um Grandma and um, the Flower Garden and all of that. What which book was that again? The Heirloom Garden. That's it. Yep, the Heirloom Garden. That is what talk about needing to be nice to people and get past their aches and their pains and everything to to unfold all the love. That was the that was just a fit. I wrote, I read that book while I was writing one of my books. Wow, thank you. Yeah, that was um okay. that was. That's still one of my favorite novels. And it came out at the height of COVID and was interesting because it was, I think, the most difficult novel I've written today because of the research regarding the heirloom flowers, um, but also touched on so many things in our lives, you know, you know, how we can be so isolated, especially in a time, um, how we treat our elderly. Um, how we often expect military when they return home to be just totally normal and fine again. And I love that book. And it had kind of a quiet opening in the midst of what happened during the pandemic. And it's been a novel that's really, I think, over time resonated more and more and more. And it just seems to have a new life every year, which has been lovely. I it's I, I love I still love that book. And I I actually read from it a lot. You know, you asked yeah. when you do author events, read, and I read from that probably as much or more than any other novel. I learned from you while I was writing my book, and I was I was careful. I'm like, okay, that's him. <laughs> that's his writing. I, need to make sure I, don't, I don't move that into my book, but it was kind of like that. I'm like, I'm learning here. But I remember also sending you copies, um, pictures of flowers from my garden. I kept doing that. Yeah. Do people do that all the time? Like, they no. do. They do. And I love you. It's true, though. It's it. You know, it's so many of these things, th these objects that I often write about really are deeply personal to us. You know, they're not just a flower, but they have a seminal memory, you know, from a family member or maybe your husband gave you a bouquet of something or the, whatever it is. They they speak to us very deeply. And I think that's 
for me, that's always kind of an in to everybody's emotions. You know, it's a way to kind of slowly weave your way into the into touching them. Yeah. Okay. We're going over the comments for a minute. Currently reading A Wish for Winter. Also just wrapped up my ornament you signed for my friend. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I love that. Okay. My grandmother always says, you put good out into the world and good will come back. Thank you for that comment. Here's a question for you. What would you do as a career? This is uh, Rosie, I think is her name, Rosie. What would you do as a career if you weren't an author? And Heirloom Garden was my favorite Viola book too. Uh Oh, God, that's a hard one. You know, I probably <laughs> might be institutionalized. Um, <laughs> I, I've always, I've said this before, I've always been fascinated with weather. So maybe if I could get the science part down, maybe a meteorologist, and I thought that sounds wacky, but I, um, you know, growing up in the Ozarks, I was fascinated with, we were in Tornado Alley, what is what they called it. Yeah. So storms were ever present. And then moving to Michigan, I was fascinated with snow and lake effect snow and why it never seemed to stop. And now in Palm Springs, I'm fascinated with um, the weather and when we hike kind of the different ways the mountain kind of speaks to me. So it's, I don't know, that probably would be it. Um, I like clothes too. So maybe something with clothes. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Our son just graduated with a master's degree in meteorology. That Seriously. Is yeah, I'm not kidding. Yeah, he's 25 years old. But my thing about that degree is they, and you might, it might work for you, but they put the, you know, once they start putting letters in the math, I'm out. It's, <laughs> you know? it's like, no, I'm not doing that. I get it. So is, will he, um, will he, does he want to be a meteorologist or does, on TV or does he want to be more of like um, behind the scenes research? Yeah. He wants yeah. to work for the weather, um, the weather service, the national weather wow. service. So yeah, That's great degree. Fascinating. Yeah, thank you. All right, let me, um, you guys are really going with the comments here. Hang on, let me let me go back here and keep asking questions. Good evening from Texas. We got that. Hello, Chester. Good evening to you too. Um, the cover and artwork are unique. They were done by Gary. I think that he, they're talking about Heirloom Garden. I'm just, I yeah. love the comments here. Um, Gary's flower artwork. They're talking about your, what's your flower artwork for, is that the Heirloom Garden? We're going to talk. Talking about yeah, the Heirloom Garden we did. Um, at the last minute, I asked the publisher if, if I thought it'd be sweet to actually have, because um, a lot of people aren't gardeners or know a lot about flowers, to actually have um, pictures of the different heirloom flowers I was writing about. And they thought that seemed a little um, maybe cold. And I came up with the idea of having Gary just, because um, he's a very good artist, yeah. um, do pencil sketches of the different flowers and people love that <laughs> they're actually we actually have that in the viola shipman gift shop we have tea towels and other things that have the drawings of the flowers are quite oh, i didn't know that oh. yeah very pretty all right gorgeous. i just learned something is there a website for that yeah violashipman.com and it just it, okay. you click on gifts and it takes you right there okay. that i have not done so i didn't know that okay so ornaments tell us about the ornaments you have ornaments do they go yeah, we just we, we launched this brand. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's very funny because we did not um, intentionally start this, but we started to get a lot of reader requests that said, "I would love to have, you know, if you ever did any." This is a favorite quote of mine from a book. Um, would you ever think of doing something with that that might be a gift for my mother or grandmother or sister? Oh, or sweet. So we did. We launched this year. We just started it in March, and we launched. Um, holiday ornaments and trivets and um, art plaques and tea towels, um, coasters, um, mugs, tum tumblers. 
<laughs> uh, oh, that's cool. Okay. And we did it with a with a local artist in the um, resort town that we live in in Michigan. It's an arts community, so we thought it would be a small business helping a small business. And she hand draws, designs, creates every product, yeah. um, and drawing. And then we have it in store in a gift shop in Saugatuck, and then we have it online as well. And it's gone. It's gone crazy. People, I mean, people, I think, love to have a piece of comfort in their lives. Yeah. And, and you, I think, I think it's you and you, you're, I love the way that you're tied to Michigan and you talk about Michigan a lot. I think that's really special. I bet the people just love that. I, I, you know, it is, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about Michigan until I moved there full time. And I absolutely fell in love with the state. It's one of the most beautiful geographical states in the nation. Um, and you know, much like I think, um, you know, the the Hamptons or Cape Cod, these quirky resort towns kind of fill western and northern Michigan. And they're beautiful and have fascinating rich histories, you know, from my town of Saugatuck to Mackinac Island. So, I mean, it's endless. And I think people love, you know, whether it's the Low Country or, you know, Ellen Hildebrand and Nantucket, I think people um, love places that they want to escape to. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this new book. Tell us all about your new book. I, and also, is there any way that you, to somebody in the chat, is there any way you would gift a signed copy to somebody in the chat? Sure. Would you do that? Would that yeah. be the coolest thing ever? For yeah, you can just, yeah, if you randomly pick or however yeah. you want to do it, just, yeah, let, let us know and we will, um, yeah, we'll send one out. If you want to do, if one of you guys wants to win a signed copy of the book, just type in the chat, I do, or me, 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 or something like that, and we'll pick somebody, uh, one of my kids pick somebody, but tell us about your new book. This yeah, that's, that's sweet. Yeah, I was like, I was like, well, make, make it random. Um, yeah, we will. Yeah, this, yeah, Wish for Winter just came out in November, and it's, it's kind of my second winter Christmas book after last year's The Secret of Snow. And I always say on the surface, it sounds like an Emily Henry, Henry rom-com. You know, it's about, a, it's about a 40-year-old independent bookstore owner who um, mother and grandmother both met their future husbands while he was dressed as Santa Claus. And she feels it's her destiny and curse to do the same. And um, she lives in Michigan. We do this. She lives way up here in a beautiful little resort town called Petoskey, Michigan. Real town, absolutely gorgeous. It looks like a mini um, San Francisco. Um, beautiful, beautiful in the winter and filled only with independent stores. It has no chains um, in it. Gorgeous. And she feels like um, her town has been her entire life trying to set her up with any eligible bachelor wearing a Santa cap. And she's kind of done at the age of 40. And she ends up going uh, at the request of one of her best friends to uh, the Chicago run or to the Santa run in Chicago, which is a real deal. It's a 10 K where everybody dresses as Santa and Mrs. Claus. And at the start of the race, she meets a guy she has a connection with. Like she really feels something for him. Um, that's never happened before, um, before they can get each other's names or, you know, see each other's faces, the race starts and they're torn apart. And he tells her to meet her, meet him at a local bar and she shows up and he doesn't. And she's like, okay, Killing me. <laughs> I'm done. So she returns home um, and just kind of reacclimates into the bookstore life again. Um, and behind her back are grandparents who helped raise her and her 
employees and her friends start an online dating app called the Single Kringle to find the missed connection because how hard can that be? I mean, right? Find the, find the San, unknown Santa man with kind of good legs. And it really forces her back out of her comfort zone. And, um, you know, it's a, I never write just like a typical romance or, or fluffy novel. This is a book, um, it, you know, in which she lost her, her parents when she was young. Um, she was named after the little girl, Susan, in Miracle on 34th Street. And she kind of grew up believing in the magic of the holidays and lost all of that when, her, when, when she lost her parents. And um, it's a book about forgiveness, yeah. you know, really being able not only to forgive others in your life, um, but yourself. Um, and it's about, as I spoke earlier, unconditional love, the fact that you cannot love another until you truly love yourself. Um, and it's a it's funny and sad and quirky. And um, I just absolutely love the book. and. Um, you know, it celebrates books in our lives. You know, it's all about the books that save us and how they connect us and a book about friendship. And, you know, I talk a lot about my grandmother um, and I talk a lot about my grandparents, but this is the first book where grandparents are kind of the center of the novel too. They really um, saved Susan's life. They helped raise her. But it was like with my grandparents, you don't really, I didn't really know all that they gave me until life started to hurt me a lot. Yep. And then I realized that I could stand up and take a step forward. And then I could take another step forward. And it's because of the strength that they um, instilled in me from a very early age. So it's a lovely book that celebrates the holidays in a beautiful way. Um, but, you know, also what we go through at the holidays, you know, it's not always shiny Christmas tree perfection. <laughs> a lot of it's, you know, we deal with grief and loss and loneliness and pain and um, I try to deal with that in a in a really heartfelt, meaningful way. That's I know that well. Yeah, with my with my father passing in 2018, and my and my mom all alone. You know, they were married for 45 years. It was just heart wrenching. And um, you thought I thought I really thought we were going to lose both my mom and dad at the same time because oh my, my mom gosh. was so heartbroken. You know, and I think you can die of a broken heart. Um, and it felt like she was going to, so it kept, I kept, I live in Maine and I kept going back and forth between Maine and Minnesota and all these things. So yeah, I feel for people around the holidays. Um, and I'm not sure time quite fixes it. You know, they always say time, it, it, I don't know. It still sucks. So, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it really, want to call that go, Hey, how's it going? And yeah, <laughs> and it just, I wanted, you know, I tried to give, I think this book helps give voice to, that. to what people go through, um, or, or I hope it does. And you're exactly right. It's sometimes it's everybody saying it's okay, feel better. And yeah. it's not okay. And it's not going to get better, but you need your own time. And you also need a lot of um, space and nurturing and kindness. And yeah. you need, you need that more than ever. And oftentimes we tend not to give that we can't, we can't deal with others pain so we take a step back and that's the worst thing that we can do yeah all right you have questions thank you for all that um we got a lot of me 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 want to win the coffee so good um you have a question how did you come up with the name of her date at the pizza place mm. yeah his name there she goes on a very horrible date um with a man named cletus bothwhistle um who's 
name was partially made up and partially um, real based on someone that I knew when I was younger. Um, and the Must date- have been a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, and the date is kind of inspired. We have a very dear friend of ours um, that's in her early 50s that has, she's, and this is part of the book too. She's very successful, gloriously, happily single, um, does not need someone to complete her or fulfill her, um, would love to find love. Um, but, you know, there's some awful dating that happens out there. <laughs> and she seems to check a lot of the boxes. So she always often calls us after a bad day. It's like, you got to just, you, are you up? You got to hear this. <laughs> so I said that name was something else. <laughs> bad name, bad name, bad date. Bad, bad person, huh? Bad person. Yeah. Bad person. And, and it sounds like maybe in real life a little bit too, somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So tell, tell us what, what are some of, I'm going to back up a little bit actually, because one, of, I don't know if people know this about you or not, but you're, you're a student of writing. Do you want to talk about that? Like you're, you're an actual, like you, I, I think I read you teach writing. You, I know you helped me. You're like, that sentence isn't right or whatever, you know, I, I ran a few things by you. You're really, really talented at writing to the point of teaching it, studying it and so forth. It's not just, it's hard to write books that, that are that long. <laughs> you know. It's, it, thank you. It, you know, it is. I, I started as a, I've written my whole life. I started as a, um, as a journalist. I went to journalism school and started as a reporter um, and as a magazine writer. Um, all, I think, wonderful skills to kind of lay the groundwork. You know, I, I was able to write on deadline. Um, I was the last class at Northwestern um, at Medill School of Journalism that used typewriters, if you can believe that, before we switched to Macs. At and, I will, and I will say there is something about going into a class and having 30 minutes to bang out a story on deadline um, on a typewriter <laughs> and turn I it know. into your professor because you, you're having to do this as quickly as possible, but you're also editing as you go. Um, and I think that's, that was a really great skill. Um, I learned a lot. I remember my first month at Northwestern, a professor, I used the verb get and he walked up and wrote it on the chalkboard and he said, there are a thousand better verbs than this. Um, way terrible, terrible. And, you know, people just started, you know, shouting out the verbs that I could have used. And it just, you, I think the more you, it's like anything you do, the more you write the, or the more you run or the more that um, you paint, whatever it is, the more you, do your own taxes, the better you get at it, the better you get at it. You know, you just, time really does make you better at things and practice. Yeah. And I love, I love teaching, writing. I haven't had as much time the last year to do so, but I, I you know, I've helped teach and lead a few writers um, to, to be published by major publishers. I just, and a lot of it is psychological, is breaking down fear that people have about writing. Or, or what we think we should write to be successful. You know, I'm going to write the next Harry Potter or Twilight. Um, if that doesn't call to you, if that's not what you are yearning to write, it'll never be good. It'll never be successful. You'll never finish. So it's, it's kind of, I love getting people to the point where 
you know, we all have that voice up here. How do you get that here? Out. How does this get down? And that's that's unlocking everything for new writers. Yeah, I've, I write in crayon a lot <laughs> and markers and colored. I almost like draw, right? Like for, for me, when I start writing a book, I'll take a, a, a stack of uh, unlined paper and staple them on the side like a mm -hmm. book and put the title right there and then just start adding wow. to it, like visualizing it and things like that. I, I don't sit down at a computer and just bang out a book. It just does not work for me. I, I have to that. handwrite and then type and handwrite and then type. But I'm I'm older, too. I'm in my mid-50s. So I remember typewriters and the auto correct sheets and all that stuff in journalism school also. So it, it doesn't come naturally to me to just sit on a computer and type out a book. And I love you for saying, and I, and you, I hope people that want to write heard what you said, because I say that a lot. There is no right and wrong way to approach yeah. it. There is none. You do not have to and I don't even do this. You don't have to sit down and have page one word one, it could be a seminal memory that calls to you that you have to get down, that starts an entire flow of a book or an idea or whatever it may be. It just, and every person is different how they approach it. And that's okay. That's the way it should be. Yeah. For me, like it's not a linear journey from chapter one to 10 or whatever. I'll, chapter 10 will be done and then I'll go back to two and then eight. And then, you know, it's totally um different i'll have an idea of where i'm going but i'll add to it as i go um, and that's how i approach that? that's how i approach memoir writing a lot um you know it is what i call puzzle piece writing it will start with a deeply personal memory or story and i know the story i want to write but it never ever starts with the first word or the first page it always starts somewhere else and then you come around to it and that's i think that's a really healthy way to approach whatever, however you want to start something. Yeah. What do you think about editing? Because a lot of people are af so afraid to write because they don't know, you know, the comma, the semicolon and the colon, <laughs> you know, those things are just like, ah, mystery punctuation. I'll do the, I'll do the two, two answer parts of editing. One is the grammatical piece. You know, I, I took copy editing in, in graduate school and thought I was very good. Um, you know, it's, try to do the best you can, but it's never going to be right. You're going to send it in. Every book I send in to my editor after it's edited, it goes to the copy editor a couple of times. And I, it looks like a sea of red. I mean, yeah, the minute. rules that they follow, the way they do it um, is different than how you will approach it. I felt like an idiot the first two or three books that I wrote. Yeah, it's I just, it's just, it's not, it's, you just try the best you can. The other editing is actually the hardest part for me, which is, you know, I finish a book and then I go back and start the editing process. And that's the heavy lifting. It is I could lose a hundred pages. I could have to add new chapters. Um, and then my editor comes back with lots of changes and that starts the dominoes falling throughout a book. So it's an intensive process. I'm worried less about the grammar, but don't send in, you know, but you can't send in, um, just, you know, it, it's got to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like in traditional publishing, you need to have it edited and then send it in for editing. <laughs> it's true. It's, there's a, it's a multifaceted editing process. Yeah. Even self-published books, those need to be edited as well too, or you can kind of tell. Um, they do. They do. Yeah. They do. And I always say for people that are approaching um, hybrid or self-publishing, 
you know, do, give it the same professionalism yeah. you would if you were working with someone else. I mean, you know, and that goes from editing to promotion. Give it that same effort. Yeah. Uh, you've got a question. Um, Diane says, I typed for so many years. It is like it is like breathing to me. I can type many pages in a few minutes. I type as fast as I talk. I love that. Typing. Do you type? Do, I mean, do you type on a typewriter or anything like that? Or do you use computers? Some some authors use typewriters still. They do. Yeah. It's, and I always joke, I know some of them. No, I sit down and I, I have a laptop. It's just easier okay. for me now. That's what I do. But I, I do. I know. Um, I have a friend named Marita Mae Brown who's a very prolific author and she still typewrites everything. And I said, my publisher would kill me if I did that. Oh, I don't know if I could Here, do now, it. Now, re, now retype it. They'd go, no. No, I'm not. I'm not uh, do that. Somebody wants to know what your ideal Christmas date is. Oh my gosh. Or mine. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know who that question and, is for. I think it's for you though. You, you take it. And you take, you answer after I, you know, I'm very, I would, I, I would just, love to make dinner at home and and open presents under the tree i'm just very old-fashioned that way i don't you know that's what it is for me it's just being home and being around the decorations and just having having some quiet time with those you love yeah i'm the same way yeah I'll, we have four boys they're 21 23 25 and 27 wow. and they're starting to trickle back home from college right now uh, so we have three out of the four home and it's so nice um to have them home so we just i'm i'm a homebody so i bet you have some stories from those 10 to 18 years with us oh oh, oh yeah <laughs> that's a that's a lot Another of boys. <laughs> a lot of boys yeah, but the house, you know, the house right now has brownies and rice crispy treats and all the snacks that they love when they come back. It's pretty fun no matter how old they are. Uh, you so have another cool. yeah, oh, it's super fun. And we've got Christmas trees up. One we have one fake one and one real one. We always do that oh. every year. So it's pretty cool. Somebody Susie says, Hi, Wade. Um, and thank you. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you very much, Susie, for saying hi. Um, so what's it and somebody says, Hi, Gary. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hi, Gary. Somebody wants to know what a typical writing day is for you. Mm. Or yeah, what's um, a typical day? Like today, I get up um, decently early, usually like six thirty or so. Um, have breakfast, and then I start writing immediately. Like I always say, I, I write before the day intrudes. So, yeah. you know, before a lot of social media, or I look at the news or any of that stuff. I really like to just start fresh on on what I'm what I'm working on. And I write usually about five hours um, every morning, seven, about seven to noon. And then I go work out. I'm a big workout person. So work out or run that kind of un, unchannel all of that stuff and go through. Then I come back sweaty and I edit a little bit. I don't do big editing, but I kind of go through, refine what I've written that day and where I want to start the next day. And then the rest of it's this. Yeah. It's all business, what I call BART business the business meets art it's the business of publishing you got to do it yeah social media podcasts um interviews um, magazine essay writing blog posts all of that yeah it's one thing to write a book it's a different thing to find readers don't, don't you think 100 <laughs> percent. it is a new you know i always say if there's if authors approach me and say i just want to write a book and not do anything you not it's not going to happen you can't do that anymore um you have to it's a tough world dominated by a lot of celebrities um yeah. and celebrity authors that get the biggest amount of money from the publisher yeah. 
um, the biggest amount of tension from shrinking media coverage. And it is a battle to find readers. And the way you do that is by, um, I hope what we both do is by being as real as you possibly can and connecting with um, your followers or readers in the most deeply personal way that you can um, and let that build, let that build organically. Um, and I think it eventually grows into something beautiful. Yeah. I, I started a group for my book. There's almost a thousand people in it now. And I think every day wow. I go in there and I'm like, I love you guys. It's, <laughs> it's super funny. It's like just it so is. love. And, and it's genuine. It's like, I really actually genuinely am like, thank you. I can't live my dreams without you. And that's exactly, you put your finger on the pulse of what every, what we all should be doing um, every single day, which is being grateful and appreciative. And I think people genuinely respond to that. They, they do. Yeah. Somebody just type, I love listening to you both. Oh, thank you. Wait, does your new book mention places in, I'm going to say this, Sagatak? I hope yeah. I said that right. Sorry if I destroyed that. As I heard you say it, but I didn't totally memorize it, as some of your others do. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think there are Sagatuck mentions in A Wish for Winter. It's pure Petoskey. So there's Petoskey. There's, um, you know, Northern Michigan. There's Petoskey. There's Traverse City is a piece of it. Um, there's a lot of Chicago in it. I, you know, I lived in Chicago for a few years. So um, there's a piece of it. I often like to juxtapose the city to um, um, quieter towns, you know, yep. small resort communities. So I kind of like to play that off of each other. Now, do you live in two? Do you live in different places? You live in Michigan, and then you live in in uh, Palm, Palm Springs, and yeah, in the, in the winter. Yeah, uh, it's a, Palm Springs. Yeah, it's amazing. Come out for the winter. So I, I get my winter. People are like, "But you left Michigan in the winter." I'm like, "We already had three feet of snow. It was a little <laughs> um, But well, it's, Palm Springs is magical, and it's in its own right. I mean, it's. I'm looking at the mountain right out here. It's uh, it's it's just stunningly gorgeous. Architecture is beautiful. It has this cool vibe. Um, I feel very at home here too. Yeah, we moved to Maine from uh, California from Northern California in 2004. Oh, wow. And um, th this last winter, earlier this year, we both fell on the ice, and we're like, you know. <sighs> I think it's time to bail on the winter. <laughs> so, so we're like, it can snow all Christmas, all January, but February, we're going to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, beautiful too. February, we're going to be on a golf course and we're just going to hang out and just be done well, with winter for a month. February is the hard, I would say it's like Michigan, you know, it tends to, when that lake effect kicks in and the snow, it doesn't really stop. And I think it's beautiful through the holidays. February gets to be very long. That's a long that's when it's dark. You don't know day from night and it starts to get hard. The sun will do you good. Yeah. Somebody's asking where in Maine I'm from. Donna, I'm from Falmouth, Maine. Um, I'm not from Maine. I am from Iowa. Uh, I was born in Minneapolis, but raised in Iowa. So I'm from the Quad Cities, which is kind of by Chicago. So yeah. it's a little bit. I'm, I'm Eastern Iowa. Uh, you're both inspiring me to write after I retire from teaching first grade. Oh, cool. We just inspired wow. somebody to write. Yay. <laughs> teaching Amazing. first grade is my dream, actually. I love teaching. <laughs> and if, if I could teach first grade, I would do that. But it's that's me personally. But I've always been it's always been your dream to write. Well, I'm curious as you're typing in the chat, what what do you want to write? I'd love to yeah. know what a first is it children's books or is it something totally yeah. different? <laughs> I want to know if she's in there teaching first grade thinking. I got a children's book in me, or if it, don't you wonder? Well, you know it'll be or it'll be a murder mystery. Yeah, <laughs> something totally different. Um, Cynthia says, "I would love another signed copy 
I can turn someone else into a reader of Vilo Ship Shipman novels too. You uh, can't read this one. That is really true. Um, you are one great. of those authors. That's a great comment. I when I, when I first came across you, I'm like, okay, who is this? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And you don't know, and you read him like, oh, I love the way he writes. Let me see who he is. I'm like, oh, I love him too. And I, you know, we reached out, we talked, and everything. I'm like, you are just the sweetest person ever. And then you keep reading your books, and you are one of those authors where a book comes out from you and people go buy it from you. And that is really hard to do. I think Thank it's, I always say that's the biggest compliment is somebody so reads cool. one and then they go to find another and another and another. It's um, that's what we hope for. So it's, I appreciate that. Yeah. Tell me in the comments guys, what your favorite books are of his. Um, and how much time do you have? Do you have like five, 10 more minutes or do we need sure. to go? Are you good. Okay. So tell me, um, Tell me in the in the comments which books are your favorite. Um, and Barbara says, so true. You read one and you're hooked. I totally agree. Um, I want to read a little bit more about you here. I have to look at my notes. Um, what does it mean to be a USA Today um, bestseller? What's What does that mean? That's a lot of copies. <laughs> that have sold. Oh, it's, 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 yeah, they, you know, there are all the different bestseller lists out there and um, that's, their, their list is based solely on the number of copies that you sell. Um, wow. in any given week. So that's yeah. just yeah, mass sales. When your book comes out, does your publisher ship like 10,000 copies for you to sign? And then they go, I mean, how I saw this picture of you with so many copies and I'm like, oh my goodness, Wade, I wanted to write you and go, are you signing all of those books? <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you have help or is Gary helping or what's we happening? We do. Oh, that's, you wow. know, it's, it, it varies greatly. We do, the publisher does, and then we do a lot of um, pre-order incentives and giveaways and contests to get people excited about the book. Um, we do, um, I think this year we, you know, we did a Santa basket giveaway. We did um, a pre-order contest. And I think we did a thousand books and book plates to, to kick it off. Um, there was a year that I did uh, Brenda Novak is another author and she does a book box every month. And if she selects one of your books, you sign about 1500 copies for her books. Um, so there's a lot of signing that's going on, but that that's always a good thing. That means people want the books and they're going out the door early and, you know, there's yeah. excitement and momentum there. That's exactly and you can't what stamp. you're signing. I saw you're not doing that. You're not. I don't like that. And I don't. And I'm not usually just a signer either. If people come to events, I'm I drive bookstore owners nuts because I like to talk to them. I like to <laughs> personalize the book. I sign something. I don't just scribble a name. I hate that. That's like one of my pet peeves. Somebody came up for a book. And I'm like, can I get a picture with you? <laughs> it was hilarious. I'm like, can I get a picture? They're like, wait a minute. I'm like, yeah, me. It was funny. <laughs> Um, I told Wade he feels like family. Totally agree. I've never felt That's like this. Oh, this, hang on. I never felt like this with any author before. Best book, Heirloom Garden. What's the one? Somebody said their favorite book is Summer Camp, the Summer Camp one. Which one's that one again? The Clover Girls. Clover, yes. Yeah, and it's I love that too. It's a it's yeah, it's a lovely book about friendship. Where did you get the idea for that one? I, well, the whole time I was reading it, I'm like, where do you get the idea for this? Um, you know, I think a mix of it was some was deeply personal and some was inspired by um, setting. You know, I, I one hand, I, I lost a dear friend um, from college and I wondered 
if I had been as good a friend as I should have been over the years. You know, I think it's something we often ask ourselves. We get busy with life, we move, we have families, jobs, careers, and sometimes the people we had in our life, um, for right or wrong reasons, fade. Um, And sometimes they make an effort or you make an effort and it's still not enough to keep that connection. So that was one thing that really started to inspire that book. The other was there was a former summer camp in Michigan that I'd seen that was always just um, just so beautiful um, that I that I knew it had to be a setting at some point. And I, I did go to camp when I was young um, after, after I lost my brother when I was young. Um, and it was the way my parents got me kind of back out into the world. Um, and that changed my life greatly. Um, so all of those kind of things kind of cogitated, as my grandma said, to get me writing that book. Yeah. What's an incredible yes in in your life? Um, On Best Ever You, we have this saying, um, what's an incredible yes is a moment where you said yes to someone or something and it completely changed your life. And sometimes we have many of them, but what's one or two of those for you? Oh my gosh. Yes in your life. I can go back um, to early on when I wanted to write a book and I was being... um, somewhat negative in my life. Um, and my mother and Gary both said at the holidays, um, why don't you just write a book? Hmm. And I was like, is it really that easy? You know, do you, and, um, you know, they said, my mother always said, you can always go back in your life, but you can never go forward. Just, you know, the no regret just, and I did, I said, um, yes to that. I actually started, I had a very demanding job at the time. And the only time that I could write was very early in the morning. And I was getting up at four and four 30 in the morning before, before my real job to write that book, which ended up being my first memoir to be published. My first book to be published. Um, that was a, that was a big yes to my mom. And it was a big yes to myself. Um, and it, you know, it's a great question to ask because those yeses, we don't say yes enough in our life. And um, it can it can pull a cork and, and, and change the trajectory of your life incredibly. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys, too, in your chat. If you had an incredible yes of your own, tell us. We'll, we'll chime in about it and talk about it. Um, somebody said, so hard to pick a favorite. I love the Clover Girls and bought copies to send to childhood friends. I did that, too. I love that book. Yeah, it brought back so many memories and, and so forth. Somebody said, I love all your books. Too hard to pick just one. Um, and love the summer cottage and the charm bracelet. Let's talk about those books, the summer cottage and the charm bracelet. The charm bracelet was my very first, um, Viola Shipman novel. And I wrote it, um, after my mother passed away and I was trying to move my dad into a, a smaller house. And my dad was a Royal pain, <laughs> true Ozarks man. <laughs> and I found all my grandmother's heirlooms boxed in the, in the attic. I found her charm bracelets and recipe boxes mm. and quilts. And I started writing. That's when I kind of, had a calling and I, I started writing the charm bracelet on top of a cardboard box that day. Um, and that kind of started that whole journey um, to writing these novels. Um, it's a very sweet story of a grandmother reconnecting with her daughter and granddaughter. Um, and the summer cottage was the, I would call it an heirloom novel, but the kind of the first non heirloom novel that I wrote, it was with my, the publisher I'm currently with my first book, new contract, new publisher. And it's about a woman who's going through a very bad divorce um, and never been happy in her career, raised her 
family husband leaves and the normal thing would be to sell her family's cottage that she grew up going to uh, on the coast of Michigan to get the money back. It's too hard to you need to too much repair. And she doesn't, she says a yes um, to uprooting, <laughs> uprooting her life and moving there and um, finding what made her happy again. And it was inspired by, I used to go to my grandparents' log cabin growing up every summer. My grandmother had, um, summer cottage rules, you know, go jump in the lake, um, take a nap, um, watch the sunset, be happy. Um, and those, those were the basis. Every chapter centered around one of my grandmother's cottage. Right rules. It's a beautiful <laughs> novel about finding yourself again. Yeah. You could feel the heart. Just it's all that, that book had just all right here. Um, do somebody wants you to please talk about, um, the recipe box? Uh, yeah, that, that's, um, it's still one of my favorite books too. It was, you know, that's inspired by my grandmother's, I grew up baking with my grandmother um, and she used to, she had a recipe box on her counter and she would just pull, you know, those old recipe cards that she wrote or mother or grandmother wrote, had the lard stains on them, the vanilla stains. <laughs> yeah. And um, she taught me a lot about my family history through the food she made. Um, and um, so I, all of every, every chapter is centered around one of my grandmother's um, dessert recipes. And it, it's a story about a, a, a young woman who's a chef that get, returns home to her family's orchard. Um, she'd run her whole life and she returns home and finally finds herself again. Yeah, beautiful. Um, any plans to come to Houston next year? Okay, we just were talking about this. This is interesting. We, um, my meeting with the publisher I just had, Texas is on the list of places that we're trying to get to. So Dallas, Houston, we're really trying to make an effort if there, you know, are larger events that maybe are going to do something. So the, we're, we're looking hard at that. Yeah, I have just a personal question. What's behind you? I, I love interviewing people to see what's hanging on the wall and stuff. What's this, is there any, what's behind you on the wall? Yeah. I do. This is um, something that we started doing very early on because when I was first published, I would say, will I ever have a second book? Oh my gosh, I don't think it was just a one book. <laughs> and so we started, um, I have this in Michigan going up to my office. I look right in the carriage house that, and here I have all, every book cover that I've ever published um, oh, on a wall behind me. Isn't that cool? Look at that. So I do that, I do that as kind of a, a true reminder every day of, of what you can do um, and, yeah. and commitment. Yeah. Which, what's one of those that, okay. And maybe they've all sold beautifully, but what's one of those that maybe didn't sell so great even at first. And you're like, Oh, I wish that one would sell better. Oh my gosh. You know better. <laughs> I started writing memoir beginning of my career and it's a very hard um, genre um, yeah. because you have, Every memoir that's big today, you've got Prince Harry, Viola yeah. Davis, um, Matthew Perry. So that's who, that's really who dominates the world. Right. Um, you know, when for humor writers, you've got David Sedaris, Augustine Burroughs, Jenny Lawson. It's a tough battle. But these, um, my first book was called America's Boy, and it was, um, it's currently out of print. It's the only book I have that's out of print, and it's a beautiful story about me growing up in the Ozarks. Um, and I hope that is republished. And then this is the, 
this is my second memoir called Confessions of a Prep School Mommy Handler. And it's about my tenure working at an elite prep school um, with very wealthy mothers. And it's really a book about self-esteem and how we choose to treat each other. Um, and wow. it is a book. That's that interesting. I love this book. It was it was a difficult book to write. Um, and I think it is one that got much too little attention. And really, um, when people read it, they're still deeply touched by the story. Yeah. Can we get that on Amazon? Or do we have to get that from you? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. What about that one that's out of print? Can we get that like a book depository or is I it gone? I think you can. I think you can. Oh, wow. We're working hard, hopefully, to get that back going again. Do you... Um, I don't think this has been asked yet, so I'm going to ask it. Do, are any of your books in the works for, for movies? Um, we're, I keep saying this. And I'm not <laughs> we're very close. Yeah, you're almost your own Hallmark channel in the making, I think. It's very close. I've actually said um, no to everything that I've been offered in the past. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we're, we're feel like the right folks are coming through now. So Oh, good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So those are good no's then, aren't they? That's They're, that good no's. That's They're that actually good, good no's in your life too. Yeah. Isn't that hard when you're like, oh, that's a dream, but I got to say no to that. And you're like, oh, is that going to come around again? Or did I just say no to my shot? Hey, that's that's a hard no, isn't it? It's listening to your heart and, you know, believing what's right and that there'll be a better, there'll be the right yes coming down. Yeah. All right. Uh, have to go, but please enter me in the drawing. Yes, we will. Thank you for this wonderful Monday evening chat. Yes, we do need to go. We're, we're at the hour mark with you. Can you believe that? I, do. Um, I love it. I hope you come back and we can just chat with you because it's super fun. I, <laughs> I, I think we learned something. We learned a lot from you. Okay. Before we go though, just like a few more minutes. Is there anything I didn't ask you? Because I know we got, we got a lot of chat going on. Is there anything you want to say or anything I didn't ask you about or anything I didn't cover or? I just, I just, I hope, I hope people enjoyed our conversation and feel inspired to, um, you know, do something wonderful this, yeah. this coming year. You know, it's, we often, I like that you said, we don't know, you know, what's your, what's your biggest yes. Sometimes we have to say um, yes to something that scares us or that we want to do. Um, we often give so much to others and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes you're a better person because you are doing something that fulfills you and makes you happy. So I hope everybody out there is inspired to do something beautiful in, in 23. Beautiful. Okay. Megan, Megan Garrity, you are the winner of the book giveaway. <laughs> so if you could DM me your address, um, we'll, we'll get that right to you. Um, and whenever we get, whenever you sign that and send it to her, do you know, Megan? I don't. Okay, cool. Well, Megan Garrity, you are the winner. I'm picking a winner right now before we go. That's <laughs> awesome. Maybe yeah, we'll do some more from here. Yeah, just let me know where address. Okay. Yeah. Megan, don't type that in the chat. Just DM me personally or Elizabeth at bestevery.com <laughs> for that. Um, quite one more before we go. What is wine and words with Wade? And how, how can we best reach you? Where do you hang out in social media? And what's your website and all that stuff? Websites, um, violashipman.com or waderoust.com. I have two sites. Um, and then on social media, Viola Shipman on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. <laughs> and, and Facebook is, um, I do a lot on Facebook and Instagram. And every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, I do Wine and Words with Wade. I've been doing it um, 
going on three years now since the pandemic. And um, it's, I interview best-selling authors, but I also um, do my own thing that's very different from other op- authors. Gary and I do craft days and we do holiday strolls of our house and we talk about inspiration and hope and um, living your life without fear. Um, so this rest of December is our holiday stroll. So this week, this Thursday at 630, we're doing um, decorations of, we're showing people our decorations of our trees, sharing stories, and then Gary's doing a Christmas craft day. So it's going to be a fun, fun day. Tell me more about Gary. Oh my gosh. Gary's, um, Gary. I know Gary, but who's, tell me about 27 him. years and um, kind of the foundational support of my, of everything that I do. You know, he's the one that said, just start writing. I believe in, in you and anything that you can do. Um, and now he's joined me on wine and words with Wade. He sets up my author tours. He works closely with the publisher on all my social media and advertising. So um, he kind of keeps the ship going in the right direction. How did you meet him? Oh my gosh. And <laughs> short story in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, we were at a coffee shop and he was actually not supposed to be there. It was the days oh, before cool. cell phones. Um, and he's supposed to pick up a friend at the airport. Um, and the friend was, um, his flight was delayed. Um, so he, couldn't go get him. Yeah. So he was just, just sitting there waiting. You know, it just happened. It was, I mean, it was just meant total to be. That is so meant to be. Do you, yeah. do you talk about that? That is just like a series of events. We do. And we still like coffee. So it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I met my husband in New York City, um, a block away from where his mom grew up. Ran oh my like gosh. Saturday at seven in the morning. And we've been married since. We were love at first sight, married ever since, all the stuff. So yeah. Same thing. Things were meant to be. But I also say, too, you have to be paying attention in life. Oh, yeah. You got to pause. 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 Slow down. All right, everybody. We love you a lot. And thank you so much for listening and being here with us and watching and participating. How cool is that? I love all the comments and everything. You guys are all awesome. And um, Gary, any any last words for of wisdom to everybody? You got lots of fans here. Just I thank you for having me so much. And I just I, I hope that we yeah, buy the book. Buy the book. Perfect Christmas gift for your favorite reader yourself. Perfect stocking stuffer. Drop right. a few in your cart. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks Happy for being holidays. with us. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.